following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. As always, I am joining you, Alex Fishbein, as well as my co-host, Mike Bash, and we're here to talk some Atlantic to start the day off here and we, uh, there's a couple teams that we've been uh, a little shying away from here, and those those two teams are the Knicks and the Celtics. So what we wanted to do for you guys was, you know, touch on both of those teams, give uh, some of our thoughts on them because they're both. While the Celtics are kind of giving us a season we haven't expected uh, so far, um, the Knicks are about where we expected in the off season. So. Uh, to start things off, let's start off in Boston, where they are at an 11 and 10 record, which is good enough for about I think it is sixth in the conference. Um, not exactly where we thought Boston was gonna be. I mean, both of us had Boston pretty high uh, in our off-season predictions. Uh, what do you think about them so far, Mike? Um, I know we talked about this a little bit last episode, and I think for Boston, you just got to have patience. Uh, with LeBron leaving the East, everyone just put all these expectations on Boston that they're going to run away with the East, that they're going to win 60 games, they're going to be the Eastern Conference representative in the NBA Finals, and some of those things might come true. I do not think they're going to win 60 games because that means they're going to have to go 50-10 and 10 from here on out. But... Um, they, they have talent. They have Kyrie Irving. They have Jason Tatum. They have Gordon Hayward. But two of those three guys are coming off major injuries, and Jason Tatum is, what, 20 years old? So yeah. I think you got to display some patience. If you look deeper into some of their stats, they're an elite defensive team in this league. They're the number two team by defensive rating, and they're they're 26 in offense. So looking at their talent level, you got to figure their offense is going gonna, is gonna to have some positive progression going for them and their defense is not going to go anywhere because they have athleticism they have size they've they've skill they have youth they have all they everything you want coaching. with defense uh, they have great coaching of course yeah brad stevens is to me a top three coach in the league so i just think you gotta be patient with them um there's there's not there's, you're worrying because you think oh after 21 games they should be 15 and 6 all right they're not up to expectations right now but right now, I'm not hitting the panic button. They're, they're still going to be fine. They're still going to be a top-four seed in the East. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be between them, Toronto, and Milwaukee for who comes out of the East. What, are you, what have you thought of uh, the Celtics' early season kind of seesaw season? Um, I, I, like, I'm along the same lines. I don't think I would full-on hit the panic button as of yet. But I would kind of hit the slight panic button. Um, because the offense just has not looked good Uh really at all the they're 23rd in the league right now in terms of points per game 
Um, the defense, uh, like you were saying, is is there. The defense is still pretty good in terms of uh, amount of points given up. They're fourth in the league in terms of defensive rating. They're second in the league. Uh, but, you know, the two things with this team right now are uh, the pace is very, very slow and the amount of scoring, which usually goes hand in hand with pace, just isn't there right now. Uh, I, I think that it is it does go a little bit with the patience aspect because, you know, uh, this team hasn't been at full health uh, for a, a long time. Uh, obviously last season they were without Gordon Hayward the whole time. They were without Kyrie Irving for half of the regular season plus the playoffs. So, uh, you know, uh, the young guys got some valuable growth and playing time when those guys were out. But now that they're back, it seems that a lot of guys are still trying to find their niche and find, you know, where they fit in the lineup. Uh, like we, we've definitely talked about it before, but uh, the one person that I was looking at the most was Jalen Brown, who seems to, you know, be kind of wavering back and forth, back and forth, uh, especially with his offensive game. Um, just, you know, trying to find exactly where he fits in. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Celtics are still very, very good. I mean, they still have a tremendous amount of potential. All these guys are still pretty young. The oldest guy is Horford at 32. After him, the two main guys of Irving and Hayward. I mean, Hayward's 28, Irving's 26. So, I mean, they still have plenty of time as well. Like, not just talking about just this season. There's still plenty of time for them to, you know, uh, go through many, many years of success. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not full-on panicking about uh, what's going on right now. But at the same time, I feel like there is something that has to give. Something has to change. Someone has to finally find their rhythm. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's just tough right now. The, the, I didn't really expect Gordon Hayward to be fully, uh, like a hundred percent right away. Um, and his stats show that right now, like he's only shooting 40% from the field and 29% from three, uh, which are pretty uncharacteristic, only 10 points, five rebounds a game. Uh, so there's a lot of room to grow. Um, I just think, like you said, patience is definitely the biggest word for this team. But when, like, when would you give them until you would hit the panic button if it continues like this? Um, I'd say the All Star break. Um, okay. but I'm looking at four statistics right here on Basketball Reference. Um, the four offensive factors: effective field goal rate, turnover percentage, offensive rebound percentage, and free throw. Um, per field goal attempt. Okay. Now, they're not turning the ball over. They're seventh in the league in turnovers. The other three stats, they're 21st in field goal percentage, they're 19th in offensive rebounding, and 28th in free throws per field goal attempt. You know what that tells me right there? They're settling for too many jump shots. Uh, they're not getting to the line at all. And and they're I'm looking at Kyrie Irving. Right, right. now, he's averaging 2.9 free throws a game. Now, I just looked it up. His career number is usually around 4.6 to 4.9. So I don't know if the system isn't what it was or if he's not fully healthy. But Kyrie Irving, you know, he's not James Harden, but he's a guy who normally is able to get in the lane and get to the line. Right. So 
clearly he's settling for three-pointers, which, yeah, he's taking six three-pointers a game, which is the most on the team, and he's taking 2.9 free throws. So right there, just by looking at the baseline stats, I could tell you what's wrong with the Celtics. They are settling for jump shots, and they're not getting open shots because their best three-point shooters right now are Daniel Theis and Marcus Morris. Right. Um, You have way more talent on that team than Daniel Theis and Marcus Morris to be your leading three-point shooters, and neither of those guys are Joe Harris or Kyle Korver where they're knockdown shooters. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if, if... you have to um, just change your kind of point of emphasis on offense. If you need to speed the game up and play at a faster pace, yeah, that probably would help. But something something is being lost. Something with them is is telling them, let's not go in the paint. Let's take jump shots. And when you take jump shots, you, it's going to be harder to make shots. Yeah. If you have a guy like Michael Jordan, then taking pull-up jumpers all day is, is what you want. But I'm sorry, Kyrie Irving, you're not Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> that you know, I, I agree. Gordon Hayward's probably not fully healthy, and it's a shame. But there's still more talent on this team. They just need to go back to what they were doing last year. They need to, you know, speed the game up just a little bit, but really get an emphasis of trying to get to the line. Because when you get to the line, you get free points. You get yeah, you know, easy buckets, time stops. So you you know you could put on points, and and you'll see the numbers change. But it, that's up to them. I'm not the coach. I'm I'm just a I'm just a podcaster. But if if I was Brad Stevens, I I make a point of emphasis to try to get to the line, and get free points. Yeah, I mean, and you know, looking back at last season, um, like when I was talking about their pace and everything, uh, their pace was still 22nd in the league last season. It still wasn't fast. Um, their points per game was at 104, which was good enough for 20th out of the 30 teams in the league. So they really, you know, it, it is a lot of the same. Um, but the the players just aren't performing at as high of a level right now. Like um, what you just said with the offensive, with the four offensive factors. I mean, their effective field goal percentage was a little bit higher, um, but I think it's the free throws per field goal attempt was much higher so it was like a point one six five, which was which is 28th in the league this season uh and last season it was a point two oh nine, which was 11th in the league so i mean that's a drastic difference especially on you know the offensive side of the ball um so it, it's it's tough um actually wait sorry I think I was looking at the wrong one. Last season, it's .188. .188. Never mind. I was looking at a different team. So maybe not. Well, that, that always helps. <laughs> You're looking at the Harlem Globetrotters for, you know. <laughs> I was actually looking at the Knicks, and that's surprising to me that the Knicks free throw uh, per field goal attempt was a lot higher than the Celtics. Well, that's because, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Enos Panther getting to the line? I doubt it, <laughs> but I mean, there's just a lot of things, and, and it's it's funny because like we're we're bringing up these factors, even though last year they still did come one game away from making the finals, um, but it's like since it's not exactly working the same right now, I feel like you know, like like you said, I think 
the All-Star break is a good time to officially hit the panic button if it does continue this way. And if it gets to that, you got to start thinking of doing something differently. And does that mean, you know, push the pace, try and get more transition buckets? Probably, because the more you get transition buckets, the more you're attacking the hoop, the more you are trying to get to the foul line. And I think that would greatly help this team because you have a bunch of athletic guys who can get out in transition. I mean, Kyrie can can be a one-man fast break without dunking the ball. Um, you have uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, both super long, super athletic, that can get up, up and down the court. Uh, even Gordon Hayward can get up and down the court. I mean, you have some guys there that, you know, all you got to do is flick a pass, they're gone. And I think it's just kind of strange that, you know, it's really, that really hasn't been the case um, this year or really last year. Um, They seem to only do that against certain teams, but I feel like if they did it, you know, I'd say like, 70 to 80 percent of the time they'd probably be winning a lot more games because easy buckets translates to more confidence translates to making more buckets in general if you see the ball going in the hoop that's only going to help your shooting in the long run yeah for sure and it's that's why i think it's a it's a fix that'll come naturally, if that makes sense. It's it's not something that um you should that the Celtics should be too worried about. This is the style of play that they're used to. Um, it's just they need to. It, I I almost want to say like they're not being as aggressive as they should be, and that's I think that's just the result of injury. You, you know, of guys where if they get hurt, they're going to be a little timid. You know, they, especially right. if they have a major injury. If a guy rolls his ankle, I don't think he's going to not attack the rim. But if right. a guy has a major knee injury or a major leg injury, they're going to be a little timid. So, what are we, 20 games into the season? Give it to the All-Star break. Give it a mid-February. If uh, that comes and goes, and, the, and what what is that, 45 games into the season? If they're 22-22 and 22 or 22-23, and 23, all right, then we have something to worry about. But I think the Celtics will be fine. I'm sure within a couple of weeks you're going to see them go on a run, win 8 out of 10, win 9 out of 10. You're going to see their record go from 11-10 and 10 to – uh, 21 and 12 or something like that, or 21 and or 25 and 13. You know they're gonna they're gonna get some separation and they'll what are they in fourth place right now fifth place I am uh, I think it's sixth sixth okay yep. so it's not like they're out of the playoffs they're not um you know they're not in they're not in Washington Wizards territory yet so I don't think we have to worry about that yet yeah I mean I agree I, I like I said I'm not hitting the panic button or anything like that but um. You know, I'm I'm just curious to see what exactly is going to change, if anything will at all, and uh, will that change happen? You know, like just players starting to play better in the same system, or will the system have to change? Um, that's I think it'll be a little both. Okay, I think I think you're they're gonna. Brad Stevens is gonna have to adjust to the roster's um, makeup and skill set. But I also think you're going to see some guys get into a groove. Right, right. I I can definitely see that. And like you said, I mean, it it really can easily go from 11 and 10 to 20 and 11. Um, you know, that's that's a the kind of win streak that these guys can rattle off. Uh, you know, at any given moment, and that's pretty much what they need right now. 
Yeah. Real quick, though, I want to shout out the Charlotte Hornets for being in first place in the Southeast Division. Just bringing up the Wizards. <laughs> I, I, It's no thanks to Frank Kaminsky, but they are holding down a first place at 10-10. and 10. They are. And I'm not going to lie, the Hornets are fun to watch this year. Um, Kemba has been insane. Oh, I know. He... I mean, twenty eight a game. It, like it's it's just been crazy that he had that two game stretch of scoring like over a hundred points. I just want to say that him and Frank Kaminsky are averaging a combined thirty three points a game. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll I'll give that to you. <laughs> I saw I saw a stat the other night. It said Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins combined for twenty eight points. Carl Towns had 28, Andrew Wiggins was like 0 for 12. <laughs> or, well, that, I don't know. If it, was, it might have been like 27 or 35 points. I forgot what the exact number was. But I don't think Wiggins had a point or he had like four. That like, was like um, in the the Rockets game, um, they put up a stat of the most points between a starting backcourt. And it was like Harden and uh, who was it? Gordon, I think. Um and Hart, that was when Harden had, like, what, 50-some points? So they, they scored, like, 70-some points together. And <laughs> the the number one duo was Kobe and Smush Parker with 94 points, and Kobe had 81 of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was 0-12 from the field goal, no free throws, no th- uh, 0 for 4, 0 for 4 from three-point line. He had one rebound, one assist. And one turnover in 28 minutes of playing time with zero points. How does that happen? And that's, that's a what was he a number number one. one overall pick? How does the number one overall pick, who's said to be like the next Kobe Bryant, have zero points in 28 minutes? I think I would score a point in 28 minutes, and I'm five foot eight. <laughs> I feel like I would throw up a three at some point and make a shot. Somebody would foul me. Like, come on. Or something. Or hack a shack or hack a bash. I mean, come on. I oh, mean, the, the, some of the most recent number one draft picks really haven't been all that great. Wiggins, I mean, don't get me wrong. Wiggins hasn't been completely awful, but like he's nowhere near like anything of what we all thought he would be. Um, then you had Anthony Bennett, which was a train wreck. Uh, Markel Fultz, which God knows what's going on with that. Um, like those are three number one picks that are all like, uh, like pretty much irrelevant. Are you just trying to say that, uh, all Canadian number one picks are overhyped? <laughs> Fultz isn't Canadian. No, but but he went to Washington, and then Wiggins is Canadian, and so is Bennett. And R.J. Barrett's going to be the next Canadian. He might go number two, but stay away from R.J. Barrett, anyone. Just just look at the track record. <laughs> I don't know. If there's anyone who can break that mold, I think it's going to be R.J. Barrett, to be honest. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. He's, he's a stud. Oh, yeah, for sure. But um, moving on to uh, the Knicks. So they're at 7-14. and 14. They are 12th in the East. Um, and, you know, they're not too high on uh, in terms of offense, but they do average more points per game than the Celtics. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, they're 24th. Um, and they've had a... I mean, the thing with the Knicks is they're not 
completely horrid to watch in like some of the past years, even though they had Porzingis, like the rest of the team was pretty much like, Oh my God, my eyes are bleeding. Um, but the team right now really isn't all like too terrible. Um, and a couple of the guys have been some very nice surprises. One of those guys who we touched on a little bit over the last few weeks was Alonzo Trier. Um, he's played in all 21 games. He started three of them. He's up to 23.7 minutes a game. He's shooting almost 50% from the field and 46% from three point. Uh, he's averaging 11 points a game, 2.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists. What what have you what have been your thoughts on Trier? So, I'm surprised to be honest that he went undrafted, and I'm sure he was one of the first um, undrafted free agents that was contacted, you know, and signed. He was a guy who was a top 50 recruit in high school, and he was a scorer in college. It just was the fact that he got caught, I think, twice with PEDs. Right. Um, but, like, I, you watch him play, and the guy is smooth. He can shoot, clearly. He can get to the rim. He's, out, he's great in transition. He's long. He's, like, I mean, I don't know if he's a lockdown defender. I haven't watched him close enough to, you know, analyze that. But, like, how did this guy go undrafted? And he, and he's averaging 11 points a game. It's not like, oh, like, he averaged, like, five and a half points a game and he's undrafted. And it's like, he, let's see what he could do in more playing time. No, he's getting 24 minutes a game. He's not starting. He's coming off the bench, which that's fine. That's a good role for him right now. But mm-hmm. he's shooting well. He's His free throws are good. His three-pointers are good. He's get, You know, he's not turning the ball over like crazy. Um, his, per, his per 36 minutes are strong. Yep great find by the Knicks and the Knicks had nothing to lose in taking a chance on a guy like him this season for the Knicks is kind of like let's just see let's just throw a bunch of crap against the wall and see what sticks and they brought in Harzonia they brought in Vonley those two guys really haven't impressed too much Vonley's had moments he is averaging eight rebounds and eight is you know what Uh, Vonley's been good he's he's averaging eight and eight you any team will take that any given day but Hazonia's not really doing much. Um, you know, his time in the NBA might might be getting numbered soon with his production. It's eight points, three rebounds. You know, that's not really pushing a needle for anyone. Right. Um, I still think he, you know, with his draft draft pedigree, he will stay in the NBA for a little longer. But like Trey Burke's been fine for them. Cantor's been strong as always. Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway's putting up numbers, but he takes a million shots a game, so it's hard to tell if he's actually <laughs> playing well. He's been or it, jacking. Yeah, he's averaging 18 shots a game, but he is shooting a good percentage. Eh, 40 percent. He's not shooting that great of a percentage. From three, he's okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been disappointing. Kevin Knox has been hurt and hasn't fully been healthy. And uh, a guy we talked about in over the summer, Mitchell Robinson, hasn't really done much offensively, but he's really flashed – in his defensive game, he's averaging almost two blocks a game. So I know he's had some flashy plays with his athleticism, with his dunks in transition. But it's a young team, a team that has no incentive to win. Um, they're going to get a top five pick, which we spoke before the show. They're projected to get Bull Bull, which in a week's time, Bull Bull has gone from 10th to 5 in the mock draft. So that's what happens, I guess, when you're seven foot two and you could hit three pointers from Steph Curry range. <laughs> This team would be ridiculous if they rolled out, like, 
uh, Porzingis, Bol Bol, Mitchell Robinson, and and Cantor. Bol Bol and Kristaps Porzingis would be like a recreation of the Twin Towers in um from San Antonio. Oh yeah, yeah. oh for sure. But it'd be like the offensive version of those two. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that would be insane. <laughs> um. But, yeah, I, I mean, I like Mitchell Robinson as well. We've talked about him a good amount. Um, I think we've talked about him the most out of all the Knicks. Um, Kevin Knox was a guy, though, I didn't have as much trust in in the offseason when he first was drafted. He was somebody that I wasn't sure, like, personally, I, I didn't think that he was the correct pick for the Knicks at that point in time. Obviously, there's plenty of time left for him to to get better and to improve um but like you said he's been uh unfortunately hitting a a rough stretch with injuries and stuff and hasn't been fully healthy um hopefully he can you know uh recover from those and and at least show us more of like what he would actually be like uh in the league um but uh the thing that i think is kind of impressive about mitchell robinson is the fact that he's about you know like pretty much five points, four rebounds, and two blocks all in about 17 minutes a game. Um, I think that that's pretty awesome. I mean, his uh, per 36 is like 10, 8, and 4. <laughs> four blocks a game in 36 minutes would be pretty crazy. Um, and the, the other guys, like Damian Dotson, I thought he's picked it up considerably. Um, his three point shooting hasn't really been all that great, but he's been aggressive and he's been able to, uh, find his way to the, to the rim. Uh, the only thing with this team is they lack a point guard that can actually like run the floor. Um, they thought Frank Nita was going to be that he's been pretty terrible, uh, well on the offensive side of the ball. Usually Frank is a decent, uh, uh, one-on-one defender, um, Trey Burke is mu- is definitely more of a uh, shoot slash score first kind of guy. Moutier still really isn't the floor general kind of type, and so I mean, like when you look at their when you look down their roster, their leading assist man is Trey Burke at three point five. Yeah, like and yeah, that's like, not going to help anything. No, it's it's like. What do you? But it's kind of like what you expect. You well, know? yeah, true, true. The Knicks don't really have an offensive. The Knicks don't really have like an offensive guy where you can get cheap assists from. If that makes sense, I remember. Well, I don't like, know. Hardaway jacks eighteen shots a game. He should be. Able yeah, to get but it's like from him. it's like ISO ball. <laughs> it's not. No, yeah, ball. true, true. You know, it's kind of like I used to play. You ever play NBA Two K? Um, like the my player mode. Mm-hmm. I used to play point guard. I, I always usually make a point guard. And one year I was on the Heat when they had LeBron James. Right. Well, I averaged 15 assists a game by just calling LeBron to go to the rim and throwing him an alley-oop. <laughs> the Knicks don't have True. that in Porzingis where you could just, you know, if if Trey Burke beats his man off the dribble, just throw a lob up to the rim and you get four assists a game just by doing that. Right. Um. So, yeah, with the Knicks, it's a kind of like an iso ball. It's kind of like modified street ball in a way. Um. And they're yeah they're putting up good offensive stats because they're what's their pace I I, I didn't even look what's uh, their pace at uh, their pace is even that high so that's actually so they're actually playing well offensively compared to the rest of the league 
But, yeah. um, you know, it's just they don't have their one stat that's killing them is assist. They're 27th. Because, right. yeah, they don't have a true point guard. Their point guards are all combo guards. Yeah. Um, Trey Burke's a combo guard. Emmanuel Mude's a combo guard. Frank Nikitolina's actually started at small forward for them, um, <laughs> which is shocking to me. But, yeah, and then, like, Dotson's a, is a combo guard. I mean, uh, last year their leading assist man was Jarrett Jack. Uh, is he even in the league anymore? I don't think so. But oh, he led the team with real... 5.6 assists last year. Jarrett so... Jack? No, he's not in the league this year. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it's talk about a journeyman. Jarrett Jack, the longest he ever played for one team was three seasons. <laughs> But um yeah no it's just kind of the way the way the Knicks are built they're not built right now for with a system in place and that yes when you get Porzingis back and when you get your future top five pick top five pick mm-hmm. which knowing my luck as a Nets fan it's gonna end up being like pick one or two right um then you'll have more of a system in place you'll have more guys that you can give the ball to so yeah then the, this Knicks season was kind of just like let's see what happens. If we win, we win, but we're expecting to lose. Right. And I think it's kind of funny because, uh, like, one one stat that I think is just funny with this team is that they are dead last in opponent blocks per game, which means they're getting blocked all the time. <laughs> are they really? Yeah. Yeah, they're 30th. They get blocked seven times a game, which is... I I just think that is that is really really funny. But um, like if if the Knicks could give a little of what they're doing to the Celtics in terms of attacking the basket, because if you're getting blocked that much, that means you're attacking the basket. Like you're not getting unless you're just trying to shoot with three people in your face every single time from three point or something. Usually you're not going to get blocked that that much uh, from the perimeter. Um, and so, like, if the Celtics could kind of use some of the Knicks game plan to go according with theirs, then I think you find a happy medium between the two teams. But, uh, yeah, the Knicks, I mean, not only are they not equipped to have, like, a high assist man, but they're not equipped on defense either. Like, every defensive stat is towards the bottom of the league. Um the only things that they're in the upper half is turnovers per game. That's it. So they're playing fast when they're not turning it over. So I mean that's a that's a positive. If you want a silver lining, that's a positive. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's it's like the, there was low expectations for the Knicks this year, so I don't think any Knicks fans. Now in New York, it doesn't come with a lot of patience. So if they get a top five pick next year and Porzingis is healthy, it's they'll have a they'll have a grace period of about another year. But after that, you know, if Fizdale doesn't turn things around, they're they're going to be gunning for his head. So, um, the Knicks, you kind of you kind of got what you you kind of are getting what you expected this year from the Knicks. So I don't think there's too many fans worrying. They just would like to see some young guys develop, and hopefully over the course of the season you'll get more playing time for guys like um, Robinson and guys like Knox as he gets healthier and Dotson, and you know maybe we'll see Tim Hardaway chuck it up a little less just to see some development. But it should be fine. They'll, they should. I don't think the Knicks have to worry. Yeah. No, they have nothing to worry about right now. Like they're in the rebuild mode. I mean, just do what you got to do. Um, 
before we move on to like another division or something, I just want to say real quick about the Sixers. Like, it is pretty frustrating watching this team the last few times just because, like, it feels like the team, other than the last, like, at least with last night, other than the last, like, two minutes of the game, has had, like, no emotion, no energy, nothing. And it seems like the team is just kind of like, eh, we'll just kind of go through the motions. And really the only one, the only two people that look like they're really putting, like, they're all on the line was uh, Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler. Um, and and the, the, the team just looked weird. I, I think some of it is probably a product of just the weird things happening surrounding the team and all the weird things they've been through the last, I don't know, season and a half. Um, but you would think that, you know, on the floor, they would show some sort of like, Hey, this is our time. We got to prove that, you know, we belong, but it's almost like, like Ben Simmons and a couple of the other guys are already like, you know, we're already here. Um, and to me, it's just frustrating to see that. Uh, now obviously this is just my opinion, just like fully just something that I think that I see on the court. Um, but the one positive thing and thing that I think is hilarious is that a fan started a petition to keep the Kardashians and the Jenners out of the Wells Fargo center. (laughs) I did see that Kylie Jenner came to the game and there's a, uh, there's a bit of a Kylie Jenner, um, curse. Yeah. I did, I did sign that. it. You did? I did. Um, <laughs> Don't get that see... kind of bad juju. Yeah. Uh, I could I could see um I could see where you get that sentiment. Um because a lot of the to me I've watched a few Sixers games, you know, the the Nets have almost almost beat them twice. They should have beaten twice. Oh, they definitely should have. The Sixers had no a lot business of the, winning. The Sixers that struggle a lot with turnovers. And oh, yeah. you look at their team and you're like, they're so talented. Why are they struggling with turnovers? Well, there's two reasons. One is they don't have a true point guard. I know Ben Simmons is a point guard, but he's not built like a point guard. Right. He's a 6'10 point guard. But two, it's like sometimes I feel like Ben Simmons tries to make the flashy play, and I feel like that's because. He's like, oh, he's a great passer. Like that's what everyone says about him. So you kind of you kind of look at him. It's like, oh, he's got to make these crazy passes and stuff. But it's like he tries to make all these flashy plays, these no look plays, these one handed plays. I think if you just made play the game more simpler, he would he would still be as effective. But you wouldn't see all the lazy turnovers where they're throwing a the ball in the first row or throwing it out of bounds or hitting the backboard on a on a high low. It's just a lot of like stupid turnovers in my eyes. I completely agree. I mean, there's even uh, like Embiid has had a few games where he's had like close to ten turnovers, and a lot of them are just he's he takes things like uh, personally, and you know he gets the ball in the post, and in his mind he's like, I'm gonna show this guy that I'm unstoppable, and someone comes behind him and steals the ball, or he dribbles it off his foot. Or they come in double team and he feels rushed and he throws it out of bounds or throws it to the other team. And like you said, Ben Simmons tries to get too cute and just, you know, throws it away. Like there's there's a lot of things that uh, are just like, you know, you watch and you're like, 
what are you doing? Like, there was no need for any of that. Um, and, and that has gotten them, like, turnovers are a huge thing. They are 29th in the league in turnovers. They're, they're averaging 15.7 turnovers a game. And on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the only other things that they're that low in, they're, they're fouling the other team a lot. Uh, and their three point percentage is pretty darn low right now. Um, so, you know, and that's the thing is like last year, a lot of their, a lot of the reason why they were winning was because they just surrounded the whole court with shooters. Uh, Ben Simmons was able to find people open and they, they were able to hit the shot. Um, but now, you know, there's more attention on Ben Simmons. There's more, even more attention on, uh, Joel Embiid. They do have Jimmy Butler now, but it's not like Butler's the, uh, the greatest three point shooter ever. Um, and you know, the other two other of the other three point shooters you have in, uh, Shemet and, uh, Korkmaz are both really young guys that are going to have to learn a lot. Um, and so a lot of the things that they were doing before they aren't doing now and it all, I personally, I think it all boils down to the fact that Ben Simmons needs to shoot the damn ball. (laughs) I watched in that game against, I think it was against Brooklyn. They, they passed him the ball in the paint. And the defender was like five to seven feet off of him, and he still didn't shoot the ball. He waited, the defender came towards him, and then he looked for a pass. Yeah, no, Ben Simmons has to shoot the ball. Even just take a shot. Even if it doesn't go in, just take a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, no, I agree with what you're saying. Um, the Celtics, I'm, I'm sorry, not the Celtics, the Sixers, I think the ben, the Jimmy Butler addition is huge for them not just because of the talent that they're bringing in but the mindset that he plays with agreed um and i think you'll start seeing that more and more as he gets more integrated as he you know becomes a bigger part of the locker room you'll see that but right it's, it's yeah it's it, it, i uh, if you're if i was a sixer fan it'd be frustrating this team is so talented I mean, you know what i have i have a theory mm-hmm. you ever play the be- you've ever played the video game nba ballers rags the riches <laughs> yes. <laughs> you remember when you could throw the ball to like a fan and then they could throw you an alley oop? Yeah, I forgot about that actually. Well, maybe Ben Simmons did a lot of that when he was playing. So maybe he just figures if he throws it into the first row, it's on a turnover. He'll get it back and get an alley oop. That's my theory <laughs> on to why he turns the ball over so much. <laughs> the fan will just throw it up for him and he'll throw it down. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and uh, Kylie, you know, you remember how you could pick your girlfriend and have her sit in the front row? That's Kylie Jenner for him. <laughs> It all makes sense now. Yes, the Philadelphia 76ers are just playing NBA ballers. That's all it is. <laughs> Man, that's a throwback right there. I completely forgot about that game until you brought it up. <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, I used to play all those games. NBA ballers, NBA play, not playgrounds, NBA... Uh, NBA was Street that? was my... NBA was Street Volume 2. Yep. One of my buddies had like a 48-game winning streak on it. And he's, I was like, oh, let's play. And I beat him. Before mm-hmm. the game would save, he shut shut off his system. <laughs> of course, can't let the win streak down. <laughs> no, of course. But there was another one. There, like I want to say, like home court or something. Like that was, was another NBA street game. home court. Yeah, yeah. Where like at the end of the game, like the last like gym you unlocked was like a Jordan brand gym or something. Yep, yep. 
Okay, that was, that one was my favorite game. Um, that one was that one was awesome to me because uh, they had Coatesville in there, which is right up the street for me because that's where Rip Hamilton's from. Oh, okay. That's literally uh, like right. That's like fifteen minutes away from me. So that was really cool to actually see like a playground in Coatesville, like actually in the game. Was it uh, accurately depicted? It was. Oh, that's that's kind of cool then. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's NBA Street Volume Two is definitely a great game. I just bought a. I impulsively bought a Nintendo Switch, so I had to buy NBA Playgrounds. It's not as fun. No, I, I tried NBA Playgrounds on PS4. It wasn't that great. Um, NBA Jam was obviously like the ultra classic. Um, but I actually like I, I still have a PS2, so I still have NBA Street and NBA Street Volume Two. Um, and it was funny because I posted the the Joel Embiid uh, throw off the backboard and dunk to himself on our Basketball yeah. Society Instagram. <laughs> and that's when I put the serving it up, dinner served. And I was like, only the real ones will get this. And, and I'm glad at least some people were like, NBA Street. I was like, man, if nobody got that, I would have just felt old and I would have given up. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely... Those are definitely some throwbacks, um, but yeah. Anyway, back back to the Sixers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, are, I, are there are there flaws fixable to an extent? Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's it's got to take like it's it just it, Ben Simmons has to be more aggressive and less fancy. That's Agreed. my my take on it. Agree. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's why, you know, all those uh, rumors about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons not getting along, I, I like, uh, that's why I kind of uh, believe them because I feel like Joel Embiid, while, yes, he is, like, a trash talker and, you know, you you see him doing all sorts of stuff on social media, blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel like he's still a guy that is, like, a, a gamer like he's a guy that comes in and he's like we're getting this done like i want to win whereas ben simmons is like um it's kind of like uh, did, did you see the movie white men can't jump i haven't oh okay well he says in there he's like he's like you know there's some people that want to look good first win second and there's people that want to win first look good second i think joel Embiid is more so win first look good second and ben simmons is more look good first win second yeah i definitely agree with that he's kind of got that and, and i know we mentioned this over the summer you uh, or maybe it was scoopy somebody mentioned it that ben simmons going to la oh yeah that was me <laughs> um obviously this is years down the road but i could definitely see that he he definitely has that like hollywood vibe to me yes and that's that's odd to say because he's australian I know, right? <laughs> so you wouldn't think that. You'd think like you'd think like the the foreigner would be like, I don't, I don't care about Hollywood. But now he seems like that like Showtime kind of guy. Which, hey, it's fun to watch when he's playing well. But when he's throwing the ball into the first row, it can make you pull your hair out. Yeah, or when he scores one point in like forty minutes of time against the Celtics in the playoffs. Well, that's better than Andrew Wiggins zero points in twenty eight minutes. At least I'll give him that. I'll give him. That. <laughs> he's not from Canada, so that's why. Well, he's still um, he's still a foreigner. <laughs> true, true. Um, but so moving on, uh, real quick, I just want to touch on the Southeast Division since you brought up the Charlotte Hornets a little bit there. Yeah, I didn't see this whole division being this bad. 
Yeah, you ain't lying. I, I mean, we both saw the Hawks being this bad. Yes. But the Heat have sucked. The Wizards have sucked. The Magic haven't been... I guess the Magic have been good for the Magic. And True. the Hornets are, Hornets are locking up first place with a 10-10 and 10 record. Yeah. I, like, I did not see it happening this way. What my uh, Going to the Wizards real quick, what the hell is happening with Dwight Howard? Did you see that whole story about him? I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> I, I texted my friends. I mean, two of my friends have a group chat. And one one buddy's, like, into basketball, but, like, watches it here and there. And the other one is, like, not into basketball at all. But he knows, like, all the players. Like, you know, right. he knows who, you know, if you said who's... If you said who's, uh, you know, Caress Levert, he'd be like, I know who that is. Or if you said who's, uh, I don't know, pick a guy. I don't know. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell, or I'm trying to think of a non-net, uh, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. He knows who these guys are. So right. obviously he knows a lot about Dwight Howard. And he just goes, that's a very Dwight Howard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it's just it, Dwight it, Howard's it, just a, one of those characters. And it's odd. It's, I don't know what to make of it. Um but it's definitely, um, it's not shock. If there's one guy I'm not shocked about, it'd be Dwight Howard. That's what I'm trying to get at. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I, I like read through it, and I was like, I was sitting there and just like, what? How? Like, how did? How does he even find himself in this kind of situation? Like, <laughs> what is going on? This like. Like we talked about, Fultz needing a thirty for thirty. I I think I need a Dwight Howard thirty for thirty also. Like, just going from the MVP candidate he was in Orlando to the you know years where Kobe sucked the soul out of him, um, and then to this, I, I would love to just learn about what happened in Dwight Howard's life behind the scenes and on the court. Um, I, I think that would be great. And just to add a little fuel to the fire, I also think it's hilarious that he's listed on the injury report as day-to-day with gluteal soreness. Oh, yeah, he hurt his butt. <laughs> he's, he's butt hurt. I think that's, that, I, I, that's just really funny to me. I mean, I know my sense of humor is very uh, childlike, and that just that just adds to it, but... That's hilarious. Yeah, no, he's uh, he actually hurt his butt in the preseason, so this is not him being butt hurt over the media um, <laughs> onslaught that he's been dealing with. Yeah, but um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, so a lot of people are still saying how like the West is so much better than the East. Blah blah blah. Obviously, the West is close in terms of standings. They really only have one team who's, like, a bottom feeder, which is Phoenix. Um, like, do you think right now that the West is that much better than the East, or do you think it's closer than it was before? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I think the East is still far behind the West, but I, I, I think it's closer um, but it's not much closer, if that makes any sense. Okay. Um, the West, you know, LeBron went West. So the, the whole, uh, the whole power, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? The whole power dynamics. No, no, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what the word is, but the whole, like, 
LeBron kind of anchored the East to keep them like in the conversation. Right. He went West, but a lot of these Eastern teams are going to be bottom feeders. So the level of talent that's going to come into the East will start swaying it. Right. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like so, um, I think the you'll see it come closer and closer as the years go by, as LeBron gets older, and as you know, a lot of these Western teams have guys that are going to get old soon, like LeBron, Durant, and Curry, and and all you know the Aldridge's and the who else is out there? The Grizzlies. Um, yeah, the Grizzlies. So like, there's going to be Eastern teams coming up, but uh. Right now, yeah, I'd still give a, a big nod to the West. Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I definitely think the West is better right now. Um, the the thing is, at the top of the West compared to the top of the East right now, I think it's pretty close. Um, just because, I mean, even with the the games that have been played. Uh, between the West and the East so far, I've been seeing a lot of East teams winning. Even like you know, not so good East teams beating some of the better West teams. Um, even like, uh, didn't Brooklyn beat Houston? Uh, I'm trying to think. So, uh, if we, I don't think we did. No, no, I think we lost, but it was close. Okay. Um, but yeah, regardless, there, there's been some, uh, like not so great Eastern teams beating West teams. Like the Knicks beat the Pelicans. The Cavs um, beat the Rockets. The Cavs. That's who it was. The Cavs beat the Rockets. Uh, you know, the, the Sixers actually made the Pelicans look, uh, like made Anthony Davis look terrible. Um, which I that's was hard to do. Yeah. I was honestly very, very surprised about that. Um, and so, I, like, I think that, you know, at the top of the East and the top of the West, I think they're uh, closer than people would think, um, especially with, like, you know, Toronto and Kawhi Leonard. That's a guy that we previously expected him to be kind of the Golden State kryptonite, and he was looking to be it until Zaza slid his foot underneath him. Um you know uh, the the Celtics, who still you know haven't really gotten all their uh, their ducks in a line, whatever you want to say. Uh, you know they could still beat. I mean, give a lot of those Western teams a run for their money. Uh, Milwaukee has been very very good. Um, the Sixers have been decent. You know, even uh and then once you get after those four the Indiana Pacers I think could definitely play with a lot of those western teams but it's a little iffy and then after that it's like okay yeah the bottom of the east is a whole lot worse than the bottom of the west because like i said the the suns are the bottom feeder of the west at 4 and 15 the next one after them is the jazz at 9 and 12 and, and like and the Jazz aren't a, a bottom feeder. No, not even close. I mean, they got to the second round of the playoffs last year. Um, so they, you know, uh, the the rest of the teams in the West are you know separated by four games maybe from the top to fourteenth. Uh, like so, yeah. The bottom half is definitely a lot better, but I think you know the top four in the East and the top four in the West. I think are closer than most people would think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll see how the draft shakes out. We'll see how some of these, uh, you know, some of these teams are young too. Like in the East, the, the Hawks are young. The 
the Bulls are young. The Knicks and Nets are pretty young. So, you know, some of these quote-unquote bottom feeders, I feel like, are going to rise up in a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think... I feel like after LeBron retires, you're just going to see a dr- dynamic shift in the league. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be like after the the was it the asteroids or meteor whatever made the dinosaurs go extinct. The Big Bang, uh, or not yeah, the Big no, Bang? Uh, wasn't the asteroids? The yeah, like meteors. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whoever is the scientist listening can let me know. Um, <laughs> What, once it's like it's gonna be like that, you know. Once LeBron retires, it's gonna be a seismic shift in the league, and things are gonna change. So, um, it might be five yeah. years from now. We'll see. He's he's inching up on more and more records. Or actually, I shouldn't say he's inching up. He's kind of like leaping oh, towards yeah. these records. But uh, yeah, no, we're heading soon towards a more balanced NBA. I agree. I agree. And I mean, there's definitely. Um, like for all the people who, you know, say like, oh, no parody this, no parody that, like, I mean, the NBA and all sports has been a tale of dynasties. That's just how sports go. Um, so, you know, once the Golden State dynasty dies, there's going to be another one to take over. Um, Denver Nuggets. Like you say, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, it could also be the Boston Celtics. Could, could even be the Toronto Raptors for a little while for all anyone knows or um, or 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 the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> or the Brooklyn Nets D'Angelo Russell's dropping 38 now um <laughs> he you know Levert getting injured just opened the door for Russell then when the two of them get back we got the best backcourt in the league okay somebody pinch me but um <laughs> I'm kidding um no it, yeah there's gonna be there's I just hope we can get out of the big three era. I hate that. Yeah, I mean, I hope so too. But at the same time, I think it still will stay a little bit longer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Because especially for these teams that, you know, have been bottom feeders for a while, I think, you know, kind of like the Suns. They already have Devin Booker and they already have Aiton. They're 4-15 and 15 right now. What if they add R.J. Barrett? Like, there's a big three. Yeah, well, and they need Josh Jackson to not be so, such a bust. Yeah, that that too. But um, uh, yeah, I think the 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 big three era is kind of still gonna be a thing. I just don't think it'll be as big or as big of a deal as it used to be. Um, I sure hope not. Yeah, so I just like hope... watch teams build, not just get win championships by bringing in big ticket free agents. Right. Right. And I, I I just hope Zion Williamson doesn't go to Cleveland. I don't want like another carbon copy of LeBron to be in Cleveland. Like go somewhere you else. You don't want LeBron to go back to Cleveland again? <laughs> no. Go to Atlanta. I'd like to see Zion with Trey Young. That'd be pretty fun. And and Quavo or what Quavo, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, and Quavo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. Um no, you know what? Zion's probably going to go to uh, Dallas with Dennis Smith Jr. It's just going to be Lob City. Yo, Zion, Dennis Smith Jr., and Luka Doncic, that would be And insane. DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I, I guess we can throw him in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really it for us. Uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com. 
I do want to give a shout out to our guy Evan Anderson for hitting 1,000 points. We were at his game. You can see that on our website. And you can see the fact that the new spokesperson for our ladies league is none other than Cappy Pondexter. Uh, All of that is on BasketballSocietyOnline.com. And definitely make sure you check out the other podcasts on the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.